And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for coming back, JT. Hour number two, brought to you by Five Iron Golf inside Area 15. I love this place. I'm playing in a golf tournament on Friday. I went there this week to get loose. The premier indoor golf facility in Area 15. Eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses, including Whistling Straits, where they just had the Ryder Cup. You can order some beverages, food, sit back, get in a simulator with your friends. They have golf leagues. You play golf. You play the whole golf course. And you go up against another team, a league, where you go up against yourself and you just get brand new golf equipment, brand new clubs, and you play the golf course. You drive it, the ball lands on a simulator, you play your second shot, it automatically logs your score. You can putt out on purpose, it could just putt out, give you a two putt or a one putt, and then you go to the next hole. You play 18 holes of a really cool golf course, anyone you'd like. You can sign up for the leagues or go down there and check it out. Go to 5irongolf.com. Uh, Area 15 is where I'd like you to go. They got discounts if you say JT The Brick Show, and they're really good clients of ours. We really appreciate what they do for us. Uh, we just got a text from Sean Salisbury, former NFL quarterback. He's going to join me in a few minutes. We were trying to get him on and text message me. I said, let's go now, so we'll get him here in a few minutes. We're getting ready for the Charger game. We'll be hosting the pregame from M Resort Casino Spa. 3.30 pregame show. We'll take you right up to kickoff with Brett Musburger and Lincoln Kennedy on the call. Again, I'm not nervous. I don't get nervous. I don't play. I'm not a coach. This is a tough game. This is a road game against a team that's finally healthy. The thing about the Chargers the last couple of years without Derwin James, Joey Bosa being banged up, they always had more injuries than the Raiders. They did. And they were snake bit. You know, the, the Chargers went through a recent run at the end of Phillip Rivers and the beginning of Justin Herbert where they were missing field goals. Remember, their kickers were a mess. They kept cutting kickers. They got injuries. I don't think the Chargers have been at full strength for a while until a level like now. So this is the team. The Raiders are getting healthier. Josh Jacobs back at practice today. Jalen Richard coming available off IR. Some of the other players that maybe needed an extra day off because of the physicality of the games that they've been playing so far. A deep, deep overtime game. Now you got to go. Now you got to get ready to play a tough team in the Chargers who are favorites because they, they're they good. Now, do I think they deserve to be favorites? If this game was in Vegas, I think it'd be a pick game. It's in Los Angeles. They're a bit of a favorite because I think the rest of the league looks around and looks at their talent and their roster. And quite frankly, they say their roster's better than the Raiders. Well, the Raiders could have the last statement on that. And the Raiders could come out and beat them. And the rest of the country will start saying, hey, that Raider roster's pretty good. I mean, the love fest in L.A. for this team is sickening. There's a national show and a couple of TV shows that are based in L.A., including NFL Network. And I really like NFL Network. I don't have a bad thing to say about them. But if you're in the same building where the Chargers played and the Chargers were able to walk, walk the coach across the street to come on your show and they're hanging out and they're able to get you a player there because you're in the same city, that's how a media love affair starts. And it's happening with the Chargers. More so with the Rams because the Rams are a better team. 
All right, we got him. Sean Salisbury, kind enough to join us. His great sports talk show in Houston, former USC quarterback, former NFL quarterback, and Raider fan. Sean, thanks for coming on, and your Raiders are 3-0 and now. How you feeling about the silver and black? I love it, and JT, it's great to be on with you. Thank you. You know what I, I find interesting is when I watch the Raiders, I, I, there feels like from a distance and just from the naked eye and watching every game they've played because I don't like to miss any of them, is that there's a little more trust factor. And I think there's a lot of trust between John and, and Carr. And he's playing at a level and maybe even better, JT, at the, stat, at the stats after three games. Say, but the year he was having the most valuable player of your uh, season and broke his leg when they went to Houston for the playoffs. JT, he may be playing at a better uh, at a better pace and a better uh, level than he was the year he was the MVP or at least in the running for most of the season until he broke his leg. So I love the way he's playing. And games now that the Raiders – a season, two seasons, four seasons ago would have lost. They're winning. Now, at some point in time, we know with Herbert and with Mahomes and the way Teddy Bridgewater's playing, defense is going to have to continue to turn the ball over and continue to be stout. And at some point, the Raiders are going to have to dominate the run game where Carr's not having a great game, where something else rears their head and she doesn't have to carry him because great teams do. Now, it's nice to have Mahomes, but every now and again, Somebody else has got to be the hero, and they've got a lot of weapons. I like the way they're playing. The schedule's obviously going to get tougher, but you know what? You only play who's in front of you, and I love the way they're playing right now. I'll take 3-0 against anybody. Wins are hard to come by. Yeah, and the, and the schedule can't get any easier. For the Broncos, right. who are 3-0 and against teams that are 0-9, what have you seen with Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, clearly an upgrade from Drew Locke, but how big of an upgrade because they haven't been tested against quality opponents? That and that is a great point. And I'll tell you, when I when Carolina when Teddy signed with Denver, I said it's perfect for them. And like he was in New Orleans, he was never going to be. He's the guy you're always trying to replace. Yet he plays solid football. That make as a franchise quarterback, he's not going to be a guy that's going to bust through the ceiling. And you say, man, is he? I mean, he, there's not there, there's not another level to Teddy's game. And I don't mean that disrespectful. It's actually a compliment. But he is so steady and accurate. And I think being behind Drew Brees. And when he had to play those five games and watch him, not that he didn't prepare in Minnesota after he went through that horrific injury, but that you prepare different. And there's certain little things that guys like Drew Brees, and I don't care if people call him a game manager. To me, and I talked to a, an offensive coordinator who everybody would know, I'll leave his name out, who told me about four years ago, he said, to give a quarterback a, a compliment that says he's the best game manager, one of the better game managers, because that's the highest compliment I give my quarterback because Guys like Peyton Manning are the best game manager we've ever had. Now, the next question is to answer your, the next answer is when you have to win it vertically, they take away your sideways and underneath game consistently, and they shut down everything. Can you load them up and make big throws to tight windows down the field? Now, that may be Locke's specialty, the big play, but Drew Locke is not anywhere near the accuracy Teddy is. He's solid. Teddy Bridgewater is a great – he's willing to hit singles and doubles. And every now and then hit the home run, but he's really, really good at it. Guy's going to hit a bunch of those. And with run after the catcher, they got some weapons. So, you know, when they get, it gets tougher and you pressure him and you make it in, you know, escape east and west, and he has to do that. And then after they, like I said, big throws where defense is squeezing him. But learning what he did in New Orleans and taking this job over, he's doing exactly what a guy that's a veteran that has good roster that may not be a franchise quarterback, but is a guy that stays there and helps you win is doing. Matter of fact, he's doing his job hitting singles or doubles right now 
maybe better than any quarterback in the league on a consistent basis. Sean Salisbury is our guest. So you mentor young quarterbacks, something you're really good at. At the NFL level here with the young quarterbacks that are struggling now, Sean, take us behind the scenes in a quarterback room when you have someone like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, what we're seeing with Justin Fields. But in that quarterback room where that guy is struggling, what are the backups doing in that meeting? What are the coaches, the quarterback coach, and the coordinator? What are those meetings like as you're trying to build up that quarterback's confidence to get him going? Well, I, I, I'll, I'll backtrack from the last to the first. I, when I'm asked, when I'm you know, given a clinic or a speech or I'm talking to quarterbacks or coaches or somebody asks me, well, the guys I train, and they say, what's the one number one trait you have? You'll always hear people say accuracy. Of course, arm strength falls about sixth or seventh, but my number one trait is i got to know how mentally and emotionally tough you are. Meaning, just like this, when every week you're throwing two picks, your home crowd's booing you, the dog wants to pee on your leg, your girlfriend likes the other team's quarterback, you're down three touchdowns at halftime, the head coach doesn't even want to look at you when you walk in at halftime for your 12-minute halftime, go to the restroom, back out on the field thing. How do you respond? Your players are frustrated with you. They're starting to look around. How do you respond? And I know that sounds overboard and a little bit hyperbolic, but it's true because I don't have any problem playing these guys. I'd run Justin Fields out there again, and the game plan was, was humiliating that they ran out there with changes, launch points, and all that. But if I'm sitting there, I would simply look and say, listen, man, you're our guy. This is what we're doing. Just be – and I would take him aside if just on an individual basis, and I'd say – like I talked about Teddy, I always say make me the simple play. The big play when you're spectacular like Zach Wilson's skill set and, and, and uh, a guy like Justin Fields when he's in there and or Trevor Lawrence. I know they're getting knocked around. Their protections aren't very good. So in, instead of holding it and trying to force something, it, it takes a miracle throw that the Favs and those guys are going to get picked once in a while. Hey, Rodgers, how about doing what the best quarterbacks in the world have always done? Get the, make the simple play. Move them, and then when the big play is there, we've got to capitalize. And I know it sounds, well, Sean, that's elementary. No, it's not, because it's different when you're under center and the gun and you're staring, and all of it falls on you. You've thrown a pick, and then the third series, you go three and out, and you know what you're saying to yourself? I've got to make a play. And you know what that play very well could be? Throw it out of bounds. Throw it out of the back of the end zone. Live the punt. Throw, get, to my math, a four-yard completion, a three-yard completion, and a four-yard completion equal, what, 11 yards and a first down? And you've got to wash out all the crowd booing because you're not making big plays. Because if the same thing they're booing at, you try to take chances that are not there, they can boo at the, oh, I want to be more exciting. Well, I'll take boring loss, I mean boring wins over exciting picks. So I would take the confidence and I would let them know, dude, you're not coming out. Because with Zach, the Jets aren't taking him out. When Justin's finally in there permanently, they're not taking him out. Trevor Lawrence, you got no choice, brother. You might as well approach this like you're the only quarterback in the room because you don't get to run and hide from the stress and duress that Peyton Manning didn't run and hide from at 28 touchdowns, that John Elway didn't run and hide from when he was booed in Denver early, that, that uh, Troy Aikman didn't run from when he's getting the hell knocked out of him in Dallas and they go draft Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft. you got to step it up and play, man. That's the way, and I hate it. I don't want him physically to get beat down. They'll be able to handle it, get the ball. Plus, you don't take as many hits when you make the simple play. And then all of a sudden you start to feel it. Oh, okay, we got to win. I was 20 out of 25. I didn't throw a pick. That's a step in the right direction. The wins and losses are tough for young quarterbacks. But the growth of a young quarterback, I'm telling you, JT, from year one to year two, they're going to wake up during training camp and the opening game of next year, and they're going to say, damn, I had no idea what I didn't know what I didn't know, and now I know it. And that'll be the case. So 
I'm one of those guys. I build their self-esteem by saying, I drafted you there for a reason. We don't get, dude, it's me and you. We don't get to run and hide. I remember Brian Billick told me, and I wasn't a rookie, but I was starting and the, the starter had been out. And Brian came up to me before game. We had like eight injuries, two starting running backs. We were depleted. And he walks up to me as we're walking out to the opening. He says, put his arm around me. He says, well, it's me and you today. Let's sit back and rip it. And all I thought was, okay, he's counting on me to make a few plays. Let's go. And so similar to them, although younger, make a simple play and don't worry about the, the, the white noise and the noise that's out there. Just get me a win and get me completions. The rest will take care of itself. You don't have to be spectacular, although rookie quarterbacks think they do because they have something to prove. They don't. They were first-round picks. Fantastic analysis as we wrap it up with Sean Salisbury. The media in Chicago, and you know the market, they, they are the wolves are at the door. They are dying to get rid of the GM and the coach yep. and Nagy, and Nagy never seems to have an answer. I call him a flip-flopper. Just go with one, have a strong opinion. It's almost, I can't believe what he says every time he goes to a microphone. He's not helping himself out in the media, and that's what we're doing now. We're trying to, we're trying to give the guy a break if he get, just gives us some information. This isn't Belichick versus Brady week, and, and he just still doesn't have the answer for the media and the fans in Chicago. How do you think that's going to play out for him? Uh, it's crazy because I feel like he's clueless about what's going on, and I, I know he's not dumb. And I, and I you know, JT, like you, I try to give all these guys because you've been covering it for so long in any sport, especially this one. Wins are so hard to come by, man. You know, they they are, especially when you're scrambling around here in a tough media market. What 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 Matt Nagy has to do first off, he's got a football team to take care of, and when you put the game plan in, your number one your number one priority is to give your team the best chance to be successful. They did not do that as a staff last week. Even though the players are on the field, they got the ball in their hand, you can't, you can't set a guy back there. you got to move him, do whatever it takes. I don't mean just to protect him, but to give him a chance. And they did not do that. And with these, the media answers, listen, he owes us nothing other than some answers that, that we have a kind of a clue of why you're doing it. And I can tell you one thing. Coaches who listen to social media are worried about the guy sitting in the 15th row making decisions for him that he's afraid of his answers and doesn't have an answer. All you're doing is digging. You know what do they say? Instead of using a shovel to to, uh, to keep digging the hole, build some steps to climb out of it. And he's not building steps, man. He doesn't need our approval. But, damn, at least have a plan. Danny Green used to always say, plan your work, work your plan. It looks like Matt Nagy's not quite sure how to plan his work and he needs Andy Reid around, and is real not, not real sure how to work his plan, whatever that plan is. So, heck, I root for guys like this, but you got to give me some semblance and, and when you're audible and tell us what's going on, and then you've got to just get one thing. He can lose us all he wants. The problem is you start to lose your team because it seems like you're clueless. They'll be done. they got a lot of work to do. I'll be shocked if he makes it through the season. I don't want anybody to get fired, but you know, mm-hmm. Chicago's tough, but they're, they're also great when you're winning and he's not really doing either one of them, and he's not giving his team much of a chance. And I'm not sure what his expectations or his team are, but I know what the expectations of players are from your coach. Uh, you ask him to be prepared as a coach to player. I would quite think that you do the same thing from uh, player to coach. And I, and I don't believe he's prepared for any of it. I just think he's kind of broke. He, I don't think he's prepared to walk into that room and answer questions and have a legit answer. So it's like, where's Aldo? We're chasing it around trying to find it. Sean, last one. You know, Jay Glazer put out a tweet on Deshaun Watson. You got a lot of sources there. You got the biggest show in Houston. Do you think the market is dropping like the stock market where there's down days, up days? I can't see any up days for Deshaun Watson when the Texans want more value for him on the way out. 
What are you hearing? What are you sensing with the market for him now in Miami or Philadelphia coming in with legit offers to try to trade for him? JT, they're not going to drop it down to where, you know, if they want three ones and whatever the speculation was before draft, they had three ones and three threes offered and turned it down. Listen, I know Jay Glazer and, and Schefter and Rapport all have great – somebody's only, you know, whether it's an agent or a front office, somebody's telling them something. They're not just – throwing stuff out there. They're bright guys who have great sources. But whoever's putting those, you know, I don't know if it's an agent or a front office. I can tell you this. Nick Casario comes from the Belichick school for 20 years. He's not going to give Deshaun Watson away because everybody, if we assume that Deshaun Watson, the legal parts above my pay grade, is going to play again, and he is. If there's a suspension at some point, commission, whatever that is. You know, they're waiting for a desperate team. Why would I change now? Unless you're worried that something legal, I mean, the, something really criminal is going to come down the pike when it comes to the court system. But if it's going to stay civil and you think he's going to play again and you know people are going to be interested because desperate teams love superstar quarterbacks and he's one of the five best assets in the league on the field, there's no way if you're Nick from what I understand, that all the talk is fine and dandy. And, yeah, the market's always been open. They've, they've always been willing to trade him since he didn't want to play there. But the question is, don't come walking in with one first-round pick, two seconds at a player. They're not going to do it. And why no. would they? Why would I give him away for that? So I actually think they're going to stand for now. If they get three ones, a two, and two fours, or two threes, who knows? But there is no way they're walking out of this team that gets him. The other team walks away saying, boy, did we fleece the Texans? That will not happen with Nick Casario. They will not give him away. But I do believe somebody will step up and get close during the trading deadline or before it to offer him something that at least tempts him. Thanks, Sean. You're always kind with your time. Keep doing what you do. Always appreciate it. Get out here. You could sit in my seats. You, I got one. I got my wife doesn't come to every one. You could sit in a Raider game in the Twitch brother, lounge, you, looking right down, man. Me. Come out here, will you? You don't have to ask me twice. I love you, man. Always great to be all with you. I will let you know plenty in advance when I'm on my way. Thanks, Sean. Just get out here. Appreciate it. Sean Salisbury, how good is he? He now teaches young high school elite players how to play quarterback because he was a very good quarterback. Again, back up in the NFL, played at USC, knows how to teach the position. Very interesting what he had to say about the young quarterbacks, but especially Deshaun Watson. My opinion with Deshaun Watson hasn't changed. I've been doing this 25 years, and when it comes to a legal problem with an athlete in a sexual nature, okay, which is what's happening with Deshaun Watson, Rude and crude behavior allegedly during massages with multiple women. So we can all assume what's happening here. Remember what happened to Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots. It all went away, right? It all went away, considering what was happening at that point in time. With Deshaun Watson, it's not going away because Tony Busby is a pretty good attorney down in Houston, big high profile, and Rusty Harden, the defense attorney, is a very prominent attorney defense attorney for athletes. Remember, he represented Roger Clemens. He's had some big, high-profile athletes. They can't, they can't get through all the documents, all the interviews with all these women. We're over 20 women. So he can't pay these women to go away. He can pay six of them or eight of them or 12 of them. But if they're 20, this problem's just not going to go away. And Roger Goodell is waiting because Roger Goodell has a more powerful department to investigate than almost any police department other than New York, L.A., and Houston, big markets, because Roger Goodell has an unlimited budget. He can hire his investigators. So Deshaun Watson doesn't know if he's ever going to play again. 
But if he, if he settles, then Miami or Philadelphia is going to pounce and go trade for him. They got the assets to do it. They'll give up whatever, three, three first-round picks. If you get Deshaun Watson at 25 years old, you're guaranteed in 10 years to play in multiple Super Bowls, at least one or two, because he's that great. He's not good. He's elite. He's great because of his legs and the way he runs. And he can throw it, and he can do it all. So they're not forgetting about Deshaun Watson in Miami and Philadelphia. They want him. If Derek Carr wasn't playing this well over the last couple of years, if Derek was deteriorating, which he's not, he's doing the opposite, he's ascending, then Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, all these other quarterbacks would be next up for John Gruden because John loves quarterbacks. Not the case because Derek's playing well. Deshaun Watson is a very risky proposition at this time, but there's no doubt there's going to be a team or two that takes advantage of it because they're going to want to be a part of that risk. Hey, real quickly, wanted to play this sound. Richard Sherman is now a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He ties it completely to Tom Brady because Tom Brady's the general manager in Tampa Bay. Don't forget, Tom Brady's in charge of that roster, and he reached out to Sherman. He reached out initially, you know, to, to and check, just check to see if I was in shape. You know, he and I had a relationship um, over the years, and, and, you know, he's been very – he's a great guy, you know, very encouraging. Um, obviously, like you said, we had our history, but, you know, what happens on the field stays on the field. And um, off the field, you know, I think we have a very solid relationship. Um, and I think we, we both, you know, thought it would be really cool if we had an opportunity to play together at some point in time. You know, obviously with our situations, it didn't seem likely um, at any point in time. But uh, he reached out and, 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 and said they may express interest. And obviously he, he wanted to play with me. Yeah, that's a good move for them. Now, I don't know how much he has left, what I thought Richard Sherman would do. And he was in the hunt to be a Raider. I think the Raiders were interested in him. Probably John Gruden. Everybody was interested in him before Casey Hayward came in and can play. Uh, Damon Arnett struggling, hopefully can play better again. Sherman, I think, was on the short list for the Raiders. We'll never know, but I think he was. I thought Richard Sherman should follow what Charles Woodson did. Uh, Woodson made the move from corner to safety. And it was a great move. Charles was getting a little bit older, so they moved them to safety. But Charles had the ineptability to read the football, to see the football better than most. So he made a natural progression to the safety position. That's what I thought that Sherman would do. Sherman's a really good cover corner. He was great in the prime of his career, but he's slowing down. He's really slowing down. So just move him to safety. So Tampa Bay's defense, they're 29th in the NFL. And they're dead last when it comes to these point numbers. Tampa's a mess defensively, and they're going into Foxborough. You know, we're Raider Nation Radio. We're the flagship. We concentrate on the Raiders. But the biggest story this week by far is Brady going back to New England. I believe it's the number one story of all time of an athlete returning to his former team. What, what could even be close to that? Michael Jordan left the Bulls after three rings, retired. Then he came back to the Bulls and won three more. Then he went to Washington. And unlike Brady, who left the Patriots and went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl, Michael Jordan went to Washington. They were barely competitive. You know, he played well, but they weren't, they were, that wasn't a big deal when he came back to Chicago with the Wizards. Brady returning to Foxborough is the biggest NFL regular season return story, I think, of all time. And I'm talking ever. In any sport, I talked about this on my national show last night. The only thing that we think is close is when Wayne Gretzky went from Los Angeles back to Edmonton. 
Now, Edmonton's a very small market, but a big hockey town. Gretzky was the greatest of all time. If you look at baseball, try to think of a baseball player who was great his entire career and then left and then came back for one game. Albert Pujols is a good example, right? Albert Pujols, one of the greatest sluggers of all time, leaves St. Louis, goes to the Angels, comes back, and St. Louis gave him a standing ovation for all three games of a three-game series. Every single game, they gave him a standing ovation. That was pretty impressive. I put that on the Mount Rushmore, too. But Brady, Brady's just different. Brady's just special. Hey, I just heard back from our friends at the Golden Knights, and they're excited about the Raiders. How cool is that, that these teams get along? Couldn't say that in Oakland with the A's and Raiders, right? You could say it about the Raiders and the Warriors, but not the A's and the Raiders. Uh, Golden Knights, we'll be talking Golden Knights hockey once the regular season steps up again in this time slot because we love the Golden Knights and want to see them do well. Mark Davis owns the Aces. Want to see the Aces keep momentum going. Bill Lambeer spent some time with Bill at the preseason game. He's excited about this opportunity. It's an exciting time to be in Vegas. Really good time to be here in Vegas, and this weekend's going to be a good weekend. It feels like it's a, it's a little bit more relaxed than the last couple of weekends, which were out of control. NASCAR, UFC, Raiders overtime game. We'll find out what's happening this weekend with the King of Vegas, Johnny Katz. John Katzalamidis, the man around town from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. This is always an important interview for me because he tells you what's happening in Vegas. Where's the entertainment? Is the entertainment coming back? What are the tourists doing while they're here? So we do our entertainment segment with Katz coming up here in a little bit. Let's get your phone calls lined up. I can get you right after Johnny Katz. 702-365-9200. Brought to you by Modelo. Oh, my buddy Steve Gomez is bringing me by my bucket of Modellos Friday right after my Jim Plunkett interview. A brand new bucket. I take my six Modellos. I pour ice over it before the show. Two hours later, they're ice cold. I get in the pool. And yes, I drink a bucket of Modellos on Friday. No, we, we have to play better. You know, I mean, there's 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 three and zero, and you can you can get all caught up in in statistics and you know uh, individual things like that. But you know, we look at the film. We got to play a lot better. We should play a lot better. We have to play a lot better. And uh, if we don't, we're gonna have a hard time advancing and moving on. That's John Gruden. My interview with him tomorrow. Brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco. Win your share of up to $85,000 in free play. They serve Pacificos, which I love. They have six great locations here in the Valley. Trying to get them with their great California cuisine to come up with a brick burrito because that's my home of the burrito. Wahoo's has the best burritos in town. And one quick thing, I want to let you know that Wahoo's has Sunday ticket at all their locations. A lot of taverns in town, a lot of restaurants in town, bars don't. So any Wahoos you go to to watch football on Sunday, every game is on. That's a really big hook for them. They do a great job welcoming football fans as we welcome in John Katzalamidis, Johnny Katz. As it feels like Katz, Vegas is open again. We had a big entertainment stress test last week with NASCAR, UFC, and the Raiders. How did Vegas do? <laughs> Stress test is a good uh, a good term for it. 
it was uh, it was an exhausting, especially Sunday was exhausting. Um, but uh, yeah, I was at the Raider game, and uh, and I'll tell you, it, it was just I think the the big takeaway on the, over the weekend was for people, especially people who live in Las Vegas, who are going to um, you know attend you know Raider games or try to do anything uh, around the Strip uh, during the Raider games, is to plan ahead, man, because uh, otherwise you're going to be sunk. Um, but yeah. Well, I, <laughs> We're a first uh, first world uh, sports town. There's no doubt about it. After uh, after what we saw over the weekend, yeah, you nailed it. I see you at the game. I see you all around town. Just plan earlier on Sunday. When I'm driving on the 215 on Friday and Saturday, they say stadium event on Sunday or whatever it is. They're encouraging mm-hmm. everyone to get closer to the stadium than they normally would be an hour or two early, and then with the clear pass to get right in. And then once you know, as you get in there with all the clubs and the torch and the walking around areas, it seems like everybody's still getting into Allegiant Stadium and looking around at the art, looking at all these different concourses yeah. and loving it. Yeah, you get there at doors, and uh, yeah, you can. You, it's it's a cool place to, to hang before the game. You know, I was a uh, and in the three games that I've attended, including the preseason game against the Seahawks, the Monday night game, and then again Sunday, I've hung out at the under the torch and watched the pregame with the uh, David Perico and the house band there. And uh, mm-hmm. I think I've said before that that area underneath the torch should, is itself uh, a hang. You know, you, it's it's a great you know live music experience behind the band uh, with that bar there. I think they have three active bars. And mm-hmm. the speakers are turned around, so um, you, you're not going to be bored if you get into Allegiant Stadium early. Believe me, it's a it's a gorgeous facility and it's a it's a destination unto itself. But I got there really early for the first time on Sunday. I did a ride share into the into the stadium. That worked out all right. Uh, again, mm-hmm. planned ahead though. I was there, you know, three hours early, three and a half. Hours. Johnny Johnny Katz is our guest. One more thing about the house band. I know how much time. Mark Davis did interviewing and testing out all the house bands along with the team behind the scenes at Allegiant, and they nailed it. I was at a private event for Tom Flores where they played on Friday mm-hmm. night. They turned around and played it again on Sunday. They nail it, and that is really good because there's a lot going on, including our pregame show that they put up on the video boards there, and in yep. between, the band just rocks. Yeah, they're great. I mean, you know, and, and da- Mark Davis and his team did it. Their, their thing was, in, in every conversation that I've had with them, was find the best local players and, and we'll figure out, uh, you know, the format and who fits what our needs are. But the f- number one thing was to find the best, the top, uh, the top of the top in Las Vegas to, to even consider to be, this, uh, to be in this position. And we had a couple of the Raiders officials last night over at Myron's at the Smith Center watching Perico's band do a, a jazz show. It was an or- like an orchestra. I think there were 20 players on stage. And at yeah. the end of the jazz show that they did, they played the Monday night theme and, uh, and uh, uh, some Earth, Wind, and Fire and, uh, you know, did some of the stuff that they were doing that they do for the, uh, the Raider game. So, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty cool, really cool. A lot of my friends, when they come to visit, especially the ones who like to gamble, love to stay at the Cosmopolitan. Tell me what's going there, going on there, the reopening of Opium, I believe. What's happening at the Cosmo with some of their venues opening? Yeah, well, when you go to the Cosmopolitan, you can figure out why MGM spent five point six billion dollars to buy it. You know, mm. it's a it's a happening place, man. And, and you know, the Cosmopolitan has been slammed. You know, since we reopened a year ago, June. You know, it was a, a place that was just drawing a lot of traffic. What they've got going is Opium, the uh, Spiegel World uh, production show, uh, the interplanetary farce, as I call it, has reopened. And adjacent, they've got a restaurant, Italian psychedelic they call it, and it's called Super Frico. And I ate in there for the first time. They had kind of a um, 
VIP media preview a mm-hmm. week ago um, on Thursday night. And it's really, really cool. That whole area up there that they have on the uh, on the uh, second level of the Cosmopolitan is going to be a real draw. And I was really impressed by the art that they have in there. The new menu is, is top-notch. The show is great, really funny. It's Spiegel World, who brought us Absinthe and also Atomic Saloon mm-hmm. Show. And it's getting to be that Spiegel, Spiegel World is, is to the current Las Vegas entertainment climate what um, Cirque was when they opened uh, when they started opening Mystere and Owen and the... Uh, and some of their earliest titles, and in the fact that they're advancing the artistic cause on the strip very effectively. So it's a company that's going to be around for a while, and uh, and they really have a, a great partnership with Cosmopolitan and is entering a partnership now with the MGM Resorts for the first time with the, with the sale of the, of the resort. Johnny Katz joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also podcasts. You must download the podcast. If you're listening out of market, we got a lot of listeners streaming on the Raiders team app. We want to tell you what's happening in Vegas when you come out here for a Raider game or you come out for a weekend in between. You know, there's been a lot of turnover with the Sahara. I mean, a lot of money dumped into the Sahara over the last five years. I'm not talking the last 30, 40, 50 years. And I'm hoping they got it right this time. And the ladies who are listening are thrilled to know that Magic Mike is inside. Talk about the transformation of the Sahara and what they're getting right this time. Well, you know what? They've got the, the Magic Mike Live uh, a mail review is reopened, and they built a new theater for it, the Magic Mike Live Theater, which is up the escalators just off the casino floor. This is Channing Tatum's company as a co-producer, along with Base Entertainment. The hotel has a hand in it, and they've, they've spent lavishly on this venue. They've got, a, they've got a great cast, man. If you all are into male reviews, this show is, is really well-performed. They're great dancers. They've got some music in the show. They've got a platform where the, they have a drum solo on, a, on an aerial platform. They do a water act on this thing upstairs. These guys are all over the venue. Like I said, it's like an adult playground. It's like an amusement park in there. And on December 16th, this cast is going to be part of an HBO Max series called the Real Magic Mike, where they've taken 10 guys and they put them in a competition to crown a single champion, and that person is going to get a cash prize and is going to be able to perform in the live show. If you remember the Full Monty, it's kind of based on that mm-hmm. premise, where average guys get to you know work out and be a part of an adult review. And it is... Um, it's it's going to be a real boon to the hotel. That's going to they're really a, uh, it's a six part series, and they're really looking forward to that to drive some attention to that property because, as you know, the north tip of the strip is uh, can be a fickle business environment. Yeah. let's just put it that way. Hey, finally, I know some fans around the country are upset that concerts are getting canceled. My buddy who goes to Dead and Company in Florida said it's canceled. There's mandates. There's masks. There's you know, there's some people need to have a vaccine to go to a show. I've been sensing that Vegas is open. And it's going to stay open. But you know the concerts that are coming and also the concerts that are considering coming that might be waiting. Are we past that at this point in time? Is the, is the concert schedule filling up for the rest of the year? I know we have the Stones, November 6th. They opened yeah. in St. Louis the other night. They're coming. What else are you hearing about the concert business here in Vegas? We're, um, we're seeing that um, down the line, I think the, the best way to describe this, um, uh, JT, is that the residency shows that we're planning for and that have been announced are coming off. I'm going to Bruno Mars tomorrow night. And uh, we've got, um, you know, we've got uh, Lady Gaga coming in on October uh, 16th back to Park mm-hmm. Theater where Bruno Mars is playing. Yeah. Um, everything that we've had on the books, um, including the Kiss shows at Zappos at the end of December, Zappos Theater into... January and February 
are coming up. I point that out because we had two members of KISS had, had to, you know, had to go into quarantine for a time and halt their, their tour because of COVID. And one of them lives in Las Vegas, Gene Simmons. The other one is mm-hmm. Paul Stanley, the, the co-founders. So my advice to folks is, um, get, is get vaccinated and carry your vaccination proof with you everywhere. I got a laminate for mine. Because if you're going to wow. go out and experience this city, you, you know, you don't know exactly. You might not know offhand if you're going to be asked to show proof or not. But if you are, you'll have it with you. That's the best thing I can tell you. And I think that the venues are, are anticipating that being part of the reality for the foreseeable future. So you're saying, hold includes- on, you're saying not only have your clear app for the Raider game and have that, everybody has that that goes to a Raider mm-hmm. game, have proof if it's not clear, have proof of your, of your uh, vaccination card in case you go to one of these great shows or lounges and they're asking to see it? Yeah, I would t- uh, I only say that as a, as a safeguard because not everybody's sure. going to take the clear app necessarily. Have a screen sure. grab. Have it. Have the app if you have if you're app uh, literate. Have the have the proof with you. Treat it like your ID, and uh, that takes a lot of the guesswork out of this. But the key thing is to be vaccinated. You know, I mean, absolutely. You know, let's you know because a lot of because a lot of venues are going to be uh, Lady Gaga shows are going to be uh, proof of vaccination. We just had you know I've been talking about Keith Urban, uh, who just closed up at the at the Coliseum at Caesar's Palace. You had to show proof of vaccination there, and if you do that um, and follow the the behavioral protocols of any venue you're going into you can you'll be able to be safe and enjoy the city that's what i have done and it's worked and that's what i've been observing around town and uh you know that's that's the best mm-hmm. uh, i was at you know like two things like Derek huff's show at the venetian the other night a dance show they you know all of his performers were up there unmasked and they're all vaccinated but the crowd was in masks and and because they didn't have to show vax for that show but they were at least in masks and uh, they were all you know pretty much everybody was behaving uh, you know according to the right the, the policies of the room well thank god i work five nights a week with my other show so i can't go out with you i couldn't run with you every night i mean every night you're out in town that's why we have you on the show uh good talking to you my friend i'll see you soon tell me what's happening in town and i'll meet you out okay you got it jt Count on there it. he is johnny katz john katz lamitas we have him on every two weeks and i always tell him when there's breaking news and for whoever's vaccinated uh, most of the people i know are vaccinated the majority of the people that I know are all vaccinated. Those who aren't, many of them are triggered. Many of them are angry. They're aggro. They tell you why they don't do this, and I just shake my head. I go, cool. We're friends. I guess we're not hanging out much because I get to go to all these events where I'm vaccinated and I get to go in, and you don't. So figure it out. If you want to be the last group of people in Vegas non-vaccinated, as the Raiders are 100%, the Raiders and their organization are 100% vaccinated. Do you understand the size of the Raiders roster, practice squad, entire organization, everybody who works in sales, ticketing, everybody in football operations? They just moved here from the Bay Area. They said, yeah, that's the rule. That's what we got to do. We're all vaccinated. Don't get mad at me. The whole, everybody's vaccinated in this town that's in sports or in entertainment. Everybody. And the ones who aren't, Go deal with your thing. It's, it's now on you. If you needed 19 months of a global pandemic to figure out and get your interview with the CDC and go sit in a library up in Harvard and study, which you don't do, you just won't change your mind, then do what you do. But you're not going to be coming to most of the events in Vegas because in Vegas we need a vaccine policy because everybody comes to this town and trashes our town. They trash our hotels, they come here, they leave, they drive over to another state, and they don't care about us when, we, when they leave. They don't. 
They love Vegas when they visit, and then they can't wait to get out of here, and then they forget about us until they come back again. That's why we need to be safe. When John Gruden said crush the virus, he said it for a reason. So Vegas wouldn't have to go through this in 2020, 2021, 2022, half of 2023. I'm always amazed that people can't just do it for the team. Do it for the team, do the right thing, get vaccinated, come to Allegiant Stadium with no mask on and have a good time. And yes, people will still get COVID, but you know what will happen? People will survive and they won't go to the hospital and they won't die like one of my best friends just did. Like one of my best friends just did. Okay, so you don't want other people to get sick. You think you're healthy. You think you're indispensable. You don't think any virus can get you. Yeah, you're too cool. It'll never get to you. Well, I know it's gotten to a lot of people, including my friends who have died from it. So I have a different view of this. And I don't screw around with it because I've lost, I've lost friends and family to COVID. And I don't want to lose you. And I want you to get into Allegiant Stadium. And I want you to be able to go to these concerts and have a good time. And I want Vegas to get back to some form of normalcy. And we can't do it at 75% or at 80%. If we get it up to 90%, then hey. I'll stop my bitching and moaning. It'll be close enough. But let's try to get there as a community. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. We'll tell you what we have in store for tomorrow. Real big show tomorrow. Of course, Jim Plunkett joins us every Friday, which we're always thrilled about. I want to tell you about my good friends at Sam and Ash, best attorneys in town because it's two for one. You get Sam and Ashley, 702-820-1234, salmonashlaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Put them in your phone as JT's personal injury attorneys, Sam and Ash, SamandAshLaw.com. They've had it going on offense for a while, you know, since Herbert showed up. You know, Phillip Rivers had a great run there. They've been a good offensive team, seems like, every year. They've got some weapons outside that can do damage. They have a great creative runner, Eckler. The quarterback's a great player. He's, on a, he's, he's really something else to watch. He can throw. He can run. He's smart. He makes good decisions. Um, and they have a creative scheme. So it'll be a challenge for us, no doubt. A, a big-time challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge. John Gruden's going to say that every week. Tomorrow, my sit-down with Coach Gruden. We'll have it. We'll turn around the audio quickly for our show tomorrow. Usually play that about 1 o'clock. Uh, Chargers aren't scary. Kansas City's scary. Kansas City with Tyreek Hill and Kelsey can gash you. They can destroy you in the past if they get on a roll. Like if you run into a hot Kansas City team or a hot Tom Brady or a really hot Buffalo team that shut out Miami 35 nothing, destroyed Washington, you run into one of those teams that could get ugly and out of hand. The Chargers are a team that have that capability on offense if Herbert has one of those games. If Herbert throws for 380 or 400 yards and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have three touchdowns combined, it could be a long day. But now the Raiders have a formidable defense that can get after them. This is going to be, I'm going to call it and tag it, the Trayvon Merrick game. You're going to have a young player on the back back end playing center field against Herbert. If you remember last year, first and goal at the four with Mariota. Raiders didn't score. They gave it back to Herbert. Herbert beat him on a bomb deep. 
And the Raiders were a mess last year deep. They were a mess. Okay, Jonathan Abram was not good with his eyes and his coverage. He's better now. He's better, but he hasn't been super tested. It's only been a couple of games, but Jonathan Abram's playing well. Give him a lot of credit. And Merrick comes in, and he's supposed to be that center fielder who's not supposed to let anybody behind him. He's starting the play 20, 22 yards deep. He's got to be able to see the play coming at him and swat some balls down. I love Trayvon Mullen's makeup speed. That means when if he gets beat, someone gets behind him, he can make up and he can turn on the ball. And Casey Hayward truly believed that the Chargers believed he was getting old. I talked to a couple people about him when he came, and I said, how much does uh, Casey Hayward have left? And someone I know associated with the Chargers said, not much. Not much. He's a good instinctual player, but he doesn't have a lot left. And that's just been the opposite. He's been one of the best corners in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. And then you have Nate Hobbs, who I think is going to be really important. Because Hobbs lining up as a nickel-type player, a dime-type player, someone in the slot who can just pick up a man, can just pick someone up in the slot, or if there's mass chaos, remember in the past... These other offensive coordinators, they like to cause chaos for the Raiders, misdirection. They try to have multiple different looks, man in motion, jet sweeps, and all of that. If you run a jet sweep against the Raiders, say you're Kansas City and Hobbs is on the field, Hobbs can sniff it out. Hobbs could see it and peel off his guy and make a tackle. In the past, the Raiders really struggled with that. I hope Max Crosby has fresh legs, Solomon Thomas is really putting up some nice stats here, uh, specifically in the middle there. And then uh, I'm waiting for that game where Yannick Ngakwe shows up and has a really big game. Maybe this could be the point where Gus has him going back there and he has a really good game. That'd be nice to see. So there's so much that needs to go on for the Raiders to get out of this game with a win. We got one more show tomorrow. We'll get into that. Uh, Lee Sterling's going to pick games with us. Joe Lisi, my college football insider, who's great. He gave you predicted Notre Dame big last week against Wisconsin. He's going to come on. Former offensive lineman Ephraim Salam with Fox Sports 1 is supposed to join us. So we got a big show packed for tomorrow. And then Monday we'll be out at the M. Oh, and Jim Plunkett. Thank you, Bobby. Jim Plunkett at 1230. Did you hear? That's the first question I'm going to ask Jim. Did you hear the roar of the crowd at halftime for Jim Plunkett? <laughs> that was so cool. David Baker, president of the Hall of Fame, introduces Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett comes to the roar of the crowd. And Jim introduces Tom Flores. Oh, that was great. That was fantastic with eight gold jackets there on the field. All right, tomorrow's my Gruden day. I'll report back with that. And we'll have a good weekend with no Raider football until Monday. Kind of time to take a breather, watch some other games, and get out and do some other things in town before the Raiders play Monday night. Thanks to Bobby. Sean Salisbury, he was fantastic. All of our guests who came on today, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Here's next. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.